0: We're always looking to make sure that all of the bits and pieces that we do and where they come from are aligned with our values, which again, is something we do at home. It takes a lot of work sometimes, but <laughs> I think it's worth it.
1: Welcome to the Virginia Foodie Podcast, where we lift the lid on the craft food industry and tell the stories behind the good food, good people, and good brands that you know and love. If you've ever come across a yummy food brand and wondered, how did they do that? How did they turn that recipe into a successful business? Then we've got some stories for you. Are you hungry, foodies? If you aren't now, you will be by the end of this episode. Because today, I'm speaking with Julie Strange, the founder of Nashi Cookie Company, We know for a fact that some of the best performing images on Instagram are luscious baked goods. We get so much attention from them on VA Foodie that sometimes the algorithm thinks our local food community is actually a bakery. But on VA Foodie, we're all about sharing and supporting food brands that source locally. And in Virginia, the truth is there's not much in baked goods, at least by volume, that can easily be sourced locally. We do have some flour mills, and winter wheat is in the top 20 ag crops for the state. But flour isn't really an agricultural product that the state is known for producing. And many times, small mills can't keep up with the demands of a manufacturing plant. But baking with local products can be done. And that's why I'm excited to share Nashi's story with you. They specialize in memorably scrumptious cookies made with mindfully chosen ingredients. In our discussion, Julie is very clear that her personal convictions drive the company. I love to see a small business leaning hard into its mission and being successful at it too. Her e-commerce platform is a big revenue stream, and Julie shares some of the inside stories about her brand, her farm market experience, growing alternate channels, and being consistently persistent with her distributors to understand just where all her ingredients are coming from. If you're a mission-driven food brand, there are a lot of great takeaways from the Nashi story. Hi, Julie. Thanks for joining me today. And I'm going to ask you, like I do all my guests, to do your own introduction. Could you tell us who you are and what you're up to? Absolutely. So my name is Julie and I own Nashi and we make cookies. That is straight into the point and I love it. (laughs) Well, I had you on today because you've been a friend of DA Foodie for a while and we love your brand and we like your positioning, but this is airing in the fall and we're heading into holiday season and I know that you do online cookie sales. So that's part of the topics that we're going to talk about today. But I've been starting with everyone and just doing a little check-in with how are things going. We're in our second year of a global (laughs) pandemic and the food industry has taken a lot of hits. And I really want to know, how was it for you and how are you managing it now?
0: So it's my favorite question to answer. Our running a business in a pandemic story is slightly different than most people's because the week after the stay-at-home orders came out in the later part of March of 2020, I found out that we were pregnant with our first child. Ooh. So <laughs> so running a business in a pandemic and being pregnant in a pandemic when no one knew what this was and how it affected pregnant women and babies in utero and all of this stuff. So decisions were probably made differently with me being pregnant than maybe I would have otherwise. We were very lucky that we already had a solid shipping model. So what we did is when we stopped doing our farmer's markets in person, which was probably right after St. Patty's Day, that year, we were able to offer free shipping for all the local folks who couldn't come out or weren't coming out or didn't want to do pickups. So we just went immediately into free shipping. It was pretty fantastic. The people were sending cookies to family and friends all over the place as a wish we could see you. (laughs) We miss you. Hope you're doing well, feel better, that kind of thing. And while we missed people's smiling faces at the market and popping by to pick up cookies. We got some of that love by reading the things that they were putting, the little gift cards they were putting in, or gift notes rather, they were putting in with their cookie orders. So it was really really nice to see all the love going around. Luckily, the farmer's markets that we were in at the time, by May or June of that year, had all figured out how to do online pre-orders and pickups that were kind of no contact. Uh which allowed us to return in some manner to farmer's markets without physically being there. We hadn't hired for the summer. By that point, we were just about to start. We basically just decided not to for the year. So we were short-staffed. And I wasn't going to put someone in a farmer's market when I wasn't willing to go myself.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we were really thankful that we could do pre-order pickups. And that continued for most of the year.
1: It gets fuzzy, doesn't it? We've been at it for a long time. (laughs) It all kind of blends
0: in, for sure. Yeah, at some point we had to stop doing markets for a myriad of reasons. But for the most part, in 2020, we were very thankful that our market systems had figured out ways of doing online pre-orders, and that that helped a lot. At that point, we were still in the Leesburg Farmers Market because that one was all year round. Cascades was still going or had just started, and we were about to be in a bunch of others for the summer season, which we would have been finding out about around that time or in February. Right. And then we decided we couldn't go. So I think at our height, we were in six or seven farmers markets a week. This was a couple of wow. years ago was our height. Yeah. It was really that's
1: great. A lot of management though, I think of that. That's like yeah. a, I think of that in terms of pop up shops. That's a lot to do. It is. Just yeah. Appear for a day and we
0: Yeah, for sure. And at that point I had the staff to do it. So we had to make some decisions with I wasn't gonna show up at a farmer's market pregnant in a pandemic and I wasn't gonna attempt to get someone to do that for me. So we kind of stepped away from that. But eventually the information about COVID came in a little bit more and we felt a little safer opening up the shop to no contact pickups. So you could order through us and then just stop on by and pick up your stuff without having to talk or see to anybody. But our shipping even now has remained a larger percentage than usual. The holidays notwithstanding, we do probably 90% (laughs) of shipping during the holidays because we have a bunch of corporate customers who ship all over the country to their
1: clients. So you've had kind of a diverse set of sales channels, right? You had farmer's markets where you do have a brick and mortar location. and And sort of, yeah sort of and yeah. then you have that whole corporate sales is a channel of its own i think
0: yep and it was different for so la- so i was due right before thanksgiving so we <laughs> never had a christmas with nashi last year so all of my corporate folks were like no oh no <laughs> what are we going to do and i've had a bunch reach out already this year i usually would have emailed them by the end of august saying hey just let me know this is what we're doing this year uh-huh. but i had a bunch of people Email and say, Hey, we really hope you're doing Christmas this year. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Which thankfully we are. I have to figure out how that's going to work with the little one, but we definitely are going to do Christmas this year. So
1: I should, I should have changed my question and asked you, how are you doing post parenthood? Because that, <laughs> that's another whole global disruption of it. Yeah. Own, it's
0: true. It's very true with a skeleton staff. And luckily I can bring the kiddo in, but obviously I'm not nearly as productive (laughs) when he's not there, but he's been a champ uh, a handful of times. I've brought him in already.
1: Yeah, that's good. Our focus has always been on local ingredients. And I think sometimes there's this fuzziness around baked goods because we just aren't known for wheat in Virginia. So on your website, you talk about mindfully chosen ingredients and you have a commitment statement that I really admire where you talk about it's not enough for us to make amazingly delicious cookies. We care about the earth and the people who live here and our company reflects that. And I want to say, can you speak to how that commitment carries through to the products you make? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So the local sourcing and the sustainability and the knowing what's in our stuff and where it's coming from is kind of a no-brainer for the business because that's how we live our life at home. We always look at ingredients. We always try to find a local product if possible or make stuff from scratch instead of buying pre-packaged things. There's a bunch of ingredients that we try to avoid at home, like high fructose corn syrup and palm oil and all sorts of things. So we want things to be wholesome and not have a bunch of random things that we can't pronounce (laughs) in the ingredient list. So it was kind of a no-brainer to do it as the part of the business because that's already how we live our life. So while sourcing things like butter and eggs hyper-locally, which I consider to be like 25-mile, 50-mile radius, is not always cost-effective, we do make sure that it's at least within 150-200 mile radius, which hurts me a little bit, but still is much better than having things shipped from all places. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I haven't finished doing, and that's a new goal with all that free time I have (laughs) running a business with a new baby, is to make sure that all of our ingredients don't have any palm oil. I know that there's More sustainable palm oil options out there, but it's basically impossible to determine what source your palm oil is coming from. Mm -hmm. We don't use it as an ingredient, but it's in, it's a sub ingredient in like chocolate chips and things. So that's kind of the final. Yeah. That's kind of the final thing. And we're always making sure that ingredients don't change on us, which has happened (laughs) a couple of times. We used to get butterscotch chips from a certain company for our gingerbread butterscotch cookie, which is delicious. And the cookie that launched the entire company, (laughs) if I do say so. And all of a sudden, I noticed that they looked different and they tasted different. And the ingredients had changed with absolutely no warning. And they were subpar and they tasted awful. And the ingredients were theoretically more wholesome. It was just, it was gross. I basically sent all my friends to every store that they sold these things in, regardless of quantity, even if it was like a little bag, to go get the kind before they changed the ingredients. And then Mm -hmm. about a year later, after many, many emails on my part, I'm sure I only had a tiny, tiny effect, if any at all, they did change their ingredients back to the original. So the butterscotch chips taste wonderful. And while they're not, they have things like Red 20, which we try to avoid, but It's butterscotch chips. It's kind of hard to make your own. So (laughs) we're not going to try to do that. But we want to make sure that things are not just... And it's not just what is in the ingredients or where they came from, but also the company that's sourcing it or the farm that's growing it Mm -hmm. or whatever. We want to make sure that the company itself also aligns with our values of sustainability and a focus on environment and keeping their employees happy and well-situated. So we're always looking to make sure that all of the bits and pieces that we do and where they come from are aligned with our values, which again, is something we do at home. takes a lot of work sometimes, but <laughs> I think it's worth it.
1: I was gonna say that's a lot of extra research that you don't get necessarily in the product catalog from your food distribution company. Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) I think my rep for one of our companies has me on their (laughs) list of, oh, here she goes again. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness.
1: Well, can we also talk about sustainable packaging? I'm gonna say before I let you speak is that this has been a very hot topic this year particularly with mail-order products, because we've had such a rise in direct shipping and such a squeeze on the supply chain. So I wanted to talk about sustainable packaging with you, and I see that you've got a relationship with a compost service. So I want to hear more about this from you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So I'll talk about the compost service first. Food Loop is a local Loudoun County compost service. Lauren started it gosh, a couple of years ago. We happened to be next to each other at the farmer's market her first day there and we got <sighs> to talking and it made sense to have a bucket of hers because she does local pickups. You get a bucket, you pay however much a month, you fill it up, the bucket goes away, you get a new bucket. It's a really easy system. She also has drop-off locations around the county and you get some of the composts back to put in your yard when it's all nice and fluffy and dirty again. So... It made a lot of sense to bring her services into the bakery. Basically, she just gets all of our (laughs) eggshells because we don't have a lot of... We're not going to give butter or scraps like that to her, but all the eggshells are fantastic. I love crunching them down in the bottom of the bucket when it gets full. You just crunch. It's a great sound. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really fantastic. I mean, it was a no-brainer. We do that at home as soon as I knew that she had a service like that. We're doing it everywhere. Home, work, all the places. They Um, give you
1: a bucket and then they pick up your Waste and then later you get some compost back.
0: Yeah, if you want to, yeah, you can say yes, I'd like compost back, or no, you can give it to whoever else. Yeah, it's a really, it's really fantastic. I should have her URL memorized, but I don't. (laughs) Look it up. But it's Food Loop. Yeah, it's really great, and I think they've partnered with another local composting company that was starting up, so that they have a bigger area of coverage now, which I think mm-hmm. is fantastic. So packaging, again, this is a no brainer. This is how we live our life at home. We try to buy things that aren't in plastic. We try to find things locally instead of shipping. Of course, pandemic notwithstanding, <laughs> we like everyone else have done a lot of requesting for shipping of all of the things, especially when we can't find stuff in the local stores, like baby formula, who knew that would be hard to find? Apparently very. <laughs> so our packaging has always been either recycled or recyclable or compostable or biodegradable or reusable. Actually, the big thing that it was one of those things that I didn't realize wasn't what I should be doing, we were using plastic packing tape. One day, I was like, wait a minute, I can be using paper tape. It's not necessarily recyclable because of the glue, but it's at least not plastic. So that was a no-brainer once we figured out that. But everything from our cardboard shipping boxes to the tissue paper that we put everything in to keep it from jostling around in the box... Our actual packaging of the cookies are tins that can be reused or recycled. The cellophane that we put some of our cookies in is compostable, which I verified with Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone who has our little cookie bags and wants to put it in their food loop compost buckets, they mm-hmm. can totally do that. And our baker's dozen bags and boxes are all recycled cardboard or eco-friendly packaging. One of our Sources for packaging has a green line. So we try to get everything that we can from there. I was actually thinking the other day because we have a subscription service. So you can get cookies just showing up at your door as if by magic every month. (laughs) And you can choose the tin or a baker's dozen. And the tin, I suddenly occurred to me, I'm like, if you've, I have a couple of folks who have the forever subscription. I'm using air quotes. And that means it just goes on until they decide to stop. And I have a couple of folks that's been going on for like two years for them. And I kept thinking, man, they must have a lot of tins laying around their house. <laughs> and I wanted to ask, what are you doing with these tins? Are you regifting them? Are you hoarding them? Are you
1: recycling them? So, but you everything. Ask. Was, I do. I really you do. do. To I ask. do. <laughs> Find a, pull them out of your email list and ask. If, if you're listening, tell us, what are you doing with all these tins? <laughs> But you could change that subscription too, couldn't you? Like if you sent a tin, couldn't you then send a compostable bag that they could just put the cookies in the tin?
0: That's one of I the many things <laughs> on my list of when I have time, look into these things. I think the main thing is sometimes these are gift subscriptions right. and they might be just for three months or for six months and they're going to somebody else. And I feel like someone having to keep the tin around waiting for the Like it's just another level of um, inconvenience for yeah. someone. Also, the tin really helps keep the cookies safe in uh, transit. So that's, yeah, I have thought about that. Or if folks are local, they can bring the tins back and we would just refill the same tin.
1: We're so thinking yeah. of that looped, you know, looped mm-hmm. is trying to do that. We put things in aluminum, you can send them back and then you get the clean them and refill them. Well, I am curious about your online sales. If you can tell me how much of your business really is mail order? Currently and, or pre-pandemic? <laughs> well, actually, I'd be curious about both to be truthful because I think that that's The next adjustment cycle for food brands is when things normalize, what can you really expect from your sales? Yeah. So pre-pandemic,
0: not around Christmas time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) our mail order was probably about 40% of our business, probably closer to 60 or 65-ish with the corporate orders and the large bulk orders around Christmas time farmers markets were the big portion of our sales in general for a long time. So things kind of leveled out a little bit. Obviously, we're not showing up at farmers markets. So we're doing a lot more pickup in our bakery. Mm-hmm. which is just a commercial kitchen. We don't have a walk-in. Oh, I'd like that cookie and that cookie and also a cup of coffee. We had that when we were a part of a women-owned bakery cooperative in Herndon a bunch of years ago, but that was also very hard to manage. So <laughs> I was going to say, that's yeah. another
1: level of management and service, almost like a different part of your brain.
0: It is. And thankfully, we had a really great group of women and shout out to Amy of former cake ball fame. She basically ran it for us. And we Mm -hmm. just showed up and baked things. And it was awesome. And I learned a lot from those ladies as well. So now that we're not doing farmers markets, a lot more people are coming over. Surprisingly, amount of people work near us. So they're like, Oh, yeah, I just work around the corner. I'll I'll swing by. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever the cookies are ready. Okay, great. Because I feel like we're kind of in a weird... We're on the other side of Dulles and there's nothing around yet. There's a bunch of construction. But I digress. I would say our shipping portion of sales is probably closer to 70 or 80% now. And I expect it to remain that way because not going to farmers markets as much as it pains me to not be part of that community... At this time, I don't really see a way that we can get back there without my brain exploding because I would have to hire and train mm-hmm. while I'm used to doing that. It's also one other thing mm-hmm. with being a new mom and trying to run the business. is just a little mm-hmm. too much at this point. So I would imagine our mail order, which is going pretty strong, is just going to continue being the bulk of, of what we do.
1: I think it's going to take a long time, I think, for, I used that word normalize earlier, and I think it's going to take a long time for the market to kind of slide back to pre-pandemic. I don't even say it's going to be like that, but what you thought your business was. I think mail order is going to stay up from those times. People are used to it now and e-commerce was growing before there was a crisis. So I don't think it's going to slide back down low. Right, I um, agree. Yeah, but a business needs balance. It's good to have three legs of income. So are you looking at expanding food service or anything like that to balance out the farm market online sales?
0: Yeah, we had also done catering for events and things. Oh my goodness. So the partner that we have in the bakery, former bake shop girl, Evan, she makes the most delicious cakes ever. Sometimes she'll have a bride or a birthday cake customer and they'll want cookies. So it's kind of a match made in heaven. But we would also do catering on our own as well. And that obviously with in-person events, taking a nosedive. (laughs) That business went down as well. I do expect that to come up a little bit. It's sort of starting to already, but lower key, much smaller events. Mm -hmm. People will need a a box or a platter instead of five platters or... Mm -hmm something like that. So I expect that to grow a little bit more once people are feeling safer to gather in large groups. Mm-hmm. But we're also not going out and finding those. The bandwidth I have right now, if they come to me, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just where we are right now.
1: Well, to clarify though, when you say catering, it's literally like party platters that you're providing. No one is going out and standing behind a cookie table.
0: And, Correct. It yeah. is. Yeah. We'll deliver cookies. We did actually do... So I guess they're more promotional events like Yelp had a birthday or, you know, things like that. And we'll go and we'll stand there and we'll chat with people and serve them cookies. But for the most part, it's...
1: You're providing just a bulk order that is nicely presented for the event. Yeah. So you talk about all the things, you're obviously in a state of change, but you're not alone in that. (laughs) You have some extenuating life circumstances, but you're not alone in the food (laughs) industry where you're kind of like, do we, don't we... Just because the state of gatherings and people, all the things you just mentioned. Do you have plans for growth? What do you think about when you're looking ahead? Maybe just flavors. What's
0: that? Yeah, I have. (laughs) This is probably a personality disorder, but I have I always have a running list of new things to try as far as flavors or new packaging to look into or new income revenues if we were doing more wholesale or doing whatever else selling to a supermarket or something. I don't think that is in our future. I really do like the cookies going directly from us to the people mm-hmm. <laughs> and putting any sort of middleman unless it's a local coffee shop or something. In between that just really doesn't jive with kind of my vision, but I'm always looking at new flavors
1: I know about you and I should have asked you to mention some of your flavors because I think it's very interesting. You talked about butterscotch gingerbread. What else or what flavor combos could you get right now?
0: Well, we have the usual chocolate chip and we have yay sprinkles, which is just a really fun sugar cookie with sprinkles, which we switch up for the holidays. So instead of yay sprinkles, they're boo sprinkles at the moment for Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) And we do ho 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 sprinkles for Christmas. But the flavor combinations, my personal favorite is cardamom molasses. There's a little bit of black pepper in there. And it's just so good. And we also make that as a sandwich cookie with some lemon buttercream in there. A the oh, combination you're me of lemon. I, <laughs> no. The combination of cardamom and lemon is just so good. And I feel like cardamom either had before the pandemic or is currently having like another resurgence of people like, oh, let's put cardamom in all the things. And it's just it's so good. So so good. We also have a Mexican hot chocolate sugar cookie has a little bit of cayenne pepper in there for some warmth, which actually I really love taking drinks that I love and trying to make it into a cookie. (laughs) (laughs) And so the Mexican hot chocolate cookie is actually inspired by a hot chocolate that the coffee shop in my old library used to make where I worked. And it's warming and it's delicious and it kind of hits you at all angles. And it's really, really yummy.
1: Those sound just delicious. And so now you're just running through your mind all the new flavors you're going to try out.
0: (laughs) It's true. I have before the pandemic, I was tinkering with tea flavored buttercreams so that the buttercream was more of the complement or the front forward flavor than the cookie was like a a little more low key cookie and a punchier buttercream usually it's the other way around. The cookie is the main event. And then the buttercream for our sandwich Mm -hmm. cookies is more of the extra special edition. And then the pandemic hit, and then we were having a baby. And then so the tea flavored (laughs) buttercreams kind of took a side along with everything else. But I really love taking inspiration from the food and the drink that I love and trying to figure out a way to make it into a cookie (laughs) (laughs) or brownie flavor or a Pop-Tart combination because we do make Pop-Tarts for our wholesale clients. And it's funny, the last time I really went out into the world was late February 2020, right before all of this became a thing. And I was sitting on the train coming back from New York City. I had the inspiration of Pop-Tart combinations running through my head, like brown sugar and bacon and like lemon and poppy seed, all of these different combinations that I wanted to try out on our wholesale clients. (laughs) Which again, then the pandemic and then the baby. And so they've been getting the same strawberry and Nutella (laughs) that we've always (laughs) done. I think if I had two of me, it would be a lot easier. One of me could be actually making all the things that the other one of me figures out how to combine.
1: (laughs) That's the small business owner's dilemma. Exactly. You'll solve that. You have to figure out how to separate the doing and the inventing. You'll solve that. Well, all of this sounds delightful and you're making me hungry, Um, (laughs) but I'm glad I asked about your flavors because I think they're just enticing. But before we close... Can you share with listeners how to find you? Absolutely. So our website is
0: getnoshy.com. That's G-E-T-N-O-S-H-Y.com. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all with the same handle. It's getnoshy, G-E-T-N-O-S-H-Y.
1: Well, that's great. I'm sure you're going to find some more followers today. Fantastic. (laughs) We can't wait to bake for them. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. It was a delight talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about how to grow your own food brand, then click on Grow My Brand at VAFoodie.com. If you're a lover of local food, then be sure to follow us. We are at VAFoodie on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Join the conversation and tell us about your adventures with good food, good people, and good brands.